Psalms 149, verse 5 through 9. Now, what I'm going to do is uh, we've kind of started laying a basic foundation. This is what worship is. This is how it is expressed. There's some facets to it we want to explore. As I shared when I first started, I said, really, if you're going to do a really deep dive into worship and praise and all the ways it's discussed, you've got about 18 weeks of teaching that you'd have to do, um, just for you guys that love doing this kind of stuff. And so here what we're going to do is we're going to now go into specific sections of worship and praise and see how the Bible describes it affecting things. Okay, so worship and praise isn't just something we do. It has an effect on things. All right, and so I want to start by, before I get to this passage, I want to tell you a story and how this passage came to me. All right. Uh, because I travel all the time, um, I'm always going all over the place, and I got invited to a place in Iowa. And most people, usually where I'm there, most people have never heard of it, uh, maybe one or two every once in a while. So I'll just ask again, have any of you ever heard of a place called Fairfield, Iowa? Okay, one person. Okay. So do you guys remember a long time ago in a decade far away, there was a really popular book called This Present Darkness? Yeah. Okay. Um, and everyone's like, wow, that's a fascinating book. Well, I actually ran into that city, and it's called Fairfield, Iowa. So if you, I'll give you a brief history here. When I went to Fairfield, Iowa, um, the guy that trained the Beatles, remember the Maharishi that taught him transcendental meditation? Yeah. Well, he bought, he decided to locate his worldwide whatever he's doing in Fairfield, Iowa, and he bought the college campus. And the, the whole city is taken over by transcendental meditation. Uh, if, you, if you don't know anything about it, it's not just meditating. It's how do they get spirit guides to enter their bodies, all this kind of fun stuff. So it's probably... Like I said, it's like this present darkness. It's probably one of the most demonized cities I've ever gone to in my entire life. But it's a small town, so instead of it being two million people, it was just a couple hundred, and it was just so obvious when you went to the town that it was spiritually oppressed. And they had deceived, they, the, the level of deception that was in the city was even affecting the body of Christ. So every pastor in the city, except the one pastor I went to, was teaching their congregation transcendental meditation. The city government, everyone practiced transcendental meditation. And I know you don't want to know the, the little parts of it, but even when they build their house, they build this little thing on top of their house that has windows all the way around it so that their spirit guides can come and invade their house. And so that's... This is the sense of humor that Jesus has. He's like, well, Brian has never experienced this, so I'm going to send him to Fairfield, Iowa. And so I go there, and um, we, would, we'd, we were doing the School of the Prophetic, and two people showed up every meeting, once a month, for five years straight. That was, it was one of the best meetings that most people I've ever had at a meeting in my entire life. I was like, what is going on? And we would have a hard time breaking through and stuff like that. And EJ, again, this guy I was traveling with, that we would stay the night uh, at this one church that was hosting us in their uh, welding shop. I thought that was a fun place to sleep. And, um, 
we had demons showing up in the, the room, terrorizing us every night. It was just one of the most blessed experiences I've ever had <laughs> in my entire life. But so what's the reason God sent me there? And what does that have to do with this scripture? Well, the Lord, I, I kept trying to taunt God. I don't know if you guys ever do this. God sends you somewhere and you don't know why you're sent there. And so you start arguing with God. Are you mad at me? So that's usually one discussion. The other one is, are you punishing me? That's another discussion. The third thing was, why am I doing this? Because I kept asking the Lord, look, no one's coming to the meeting. We need to shut it down. It's not bearing any fruit. And he kept telling me, no, you're required to be here. So uh, after I had my pity party for over the first year, I finally said, well, what am I doing here? And he says, well, I want to teach you some things about warfare that you, you can't get out of books. So he used that place as a training ground for spiritual warfare. And you guys, you know, a lot of us know personal warfare. I never realized that there's a warfare for a city. Yeah. I, I just never knew it. And um, to give you some of it, I'll get it in scripture because this leads to this scripture. The first thing the Lord had to start working with me on, and I'm going to talk to you about it now, is who you really are. All right, so we're going we're gonna to dive into your identity just for a moment, all right? So your identity in Christ is so important. If you do not relate or see yourself or understand your inheritance or your position in the kingdom or what you've been called to do, you're, you're going to just function as a normal person that goes to church, but you're really not going to express the authority that Jesus wants you to in a region. So... Do you guys remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he's walking from one city to the next and he says, now who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist or one of the prophets that have been raised from the dead. And he says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, now flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My father in heaven did. And he says, and because you've said that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? Yeah. When he said that, I will build my church, that Greek word for the word church in that passage is only used twice in the New Testament. There's another word that's used for church in all the epistles and stuff, but Jesus is talking a very specific thing here. When he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, that was used historically at that time for a certain type of gathering. All right. So if you look at the translation for the word church, it says the definition is gathering, but you have to bring the historical, how did they understand that word back in that day? So there were two types of gatherings back in the day of Jesus. There was the fellowship gathering, and that's one of the words that's used for church. And there's now, you ready? Then there's a gathering of the authorities in a region. And when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, that's what he's talking about. So you guys ready? When you came to Jesus and, and you said, Lord, be my Lord and Savior, you got salvation. You thought, great, I'm ready for heaven. And God said, no, actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to restore back to you the authority you were supposed to have, and you now are going to be my representatives in a city. Yeah. So I want you guys to think with me just for a minute, because we're going to get to the passage. You... You, the church, decide in this region how much of heaven or hell is in this region because you're the authority in this region. 
It doesn't matter who's elected to a, a, a we elect people and we say there are leaders. Well, that God doesn't work on that economy. God says, you're my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. So do you guys get it? You're not gates. You're an advancing army. The gates is what's yeah. binding people up. And God says, your job is to knock that gate down. He can't resist you. Yeah. And he said, you ready? The word church means the gathering of governmental officials to enforce the rule and reign of a king or a Caesar. That's the term Jesus said to them. So whether you see yourself or, or not, you guys ready? Every one of us has been given a lie that we don't have authority and the reason we're lied to is if you ever discover your identity, you'll stop putting up with all the junk the enemy's doing in your family and in your region because you've been given the authority. And so if you guys are like me, not to be super intense, look, I was already in the kingdom of darkness before I met the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus saved me and put me in the kingdom of his dear son and he didn't put me there just to have potlucks. He put me there so that the region I live in would come back to their father and be restored to God's original intent. Now, isn't that interesting? Because you're God's governmental authority in a region. He's going to teach you how to war in that region to establish the kingdom of God. And it's not going to be with the weapons that people that are not in the kingdom use. In fact, you ready? You're actually going to enjoy it if you understand it properly because it's tied to worship. All right, let's look at the passage now. This is one of the, so this is one of the passages the Lord took me to and started saying, if you understand this and you participate what's going on here, your region will be touched by the Spirit of the Lord. So, ready? Why is your city right now, wherever you live, not turned to the Lord? There are two things that are keeping it from happening. I know everyone wants 15 things, but there's only two things that are keeping it from happening. And they're going to be so simple, you're going to probably be frustrated with me after I tell you. The first one reflects a Psalms in the Old Testament. I believe it's Psalms 143, where it talks about when brothers dwell together in unity, the Lord commands a blessing there. So as long as the body of Christ is fighting in the midst of us, God will not give a city to the body. You guys get it? A commanded blessing is released when the body of Christ comes together. That's why there's so much division in the body of Christ. Now, how do you, how do you create unity and dwell together? You can't do it over doctrines because teachers in the body of Christ love debating and arguing. That's, their, that's how the grace of God works in their life. And then they bring you into it, and we, we all fight about our own little special things we're learning in Scripture now. So it can't be over doctrine. Guess what it's over? Unity comes by worshiping together. God creates unity through worship. So that's one of the things that's keeping your city from coming to the Lord. You're not honoring the body of Christ in your region. All right? In fact... And the groups, the leaders I hang out with uh, in different parts of the United States, we have to learn how to repent to other leaders because we've caused so much havoc in the body of Christ over this that, you guys get it? The leaders sometimes are keeping the blessing from coming into the region. Now, 
Guys, think about that with me. That's the first reason. The second reason is, is we, we've not figured out how to gather in worship as a group, and because of it, it's keeping the enthronement of God to come into a community. So that's what we're going to work on in this passage right here. So let's work on it. Here in Psalms, 1, Psalms 149, verse 5, let's look at it. Let the godly ones exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Now, right here, he's describing all of the, everything that you're hearing is not only a lifestyle of worship, but it's a consistency of worship. So catch that. And almost immediately, the next part of it's going to switch, and he's going to start using warfare analogy. So he's saying, that everything that I'm saying to you about worshiping the Lord and exalting him is now going to turn to the theme of warfare. And it says this, and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nation. Now, because of the aggressiveness of the word and the way Christians uh, look at this, they think, oh, well, I don't want to be a part of that. That sounds too aggressive. But there's something he's trying to tell us, which I'm going to get in. It says, and punishment on the people. So what is he trying to work through here? He's saying, to bind the kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron and to execute on them the judgment written. This is the honor of all the godly ones. Praise the Lord. Now, think about that. All of this was warfare language. It was intense. And it's saying, this actually honors God when you do this because of this effect. So let's break it down. You guys ready? It's saying, now think about this. Unless you see it in Scripture, this almost doesn't make sense to you. Something that you and I enjoy doing, worshiping and praising the Lord, doesn't just have an effect on the manifest presence of God. It actually means that the Spirit of the Lord has been released in a region. All right, so you guys get it? You and I come together and worship God saying, I am going to use that to cause an effect in the culture. So I, I told you this morning about the transformation videos. There's an, another story in the transformation videos where they're down in Brazil and the, body, the leaders have actually come together and repented to each other. And then they opened up the stadiums for all night worship stuff. And you guys get it? They don't even know, they don't even understand this and they don't even have it figured out. And just by them worshiping, God's actually going and getting the cartels exposed and arrested in this city. Yeah. And the crime rate is being decimated because the body of Christ is worshiping. Now, you actually wouldn't connect those two, would you? Why is it when we hang out in the building and enjoy the Lord, that stuff kind of happens? Because of this passage, we're actually looking here in Psalms 149. So let's explore it some more. Look at what it says. When you and I worship, God responds in his worship, and it says he gives us a two-edged sword in our hand. So this is the term for battle. God has, says worship is now warfare. And it says, to execute vengeance on the nation. So what vengeance is God trying to execute? So this is courtroom language being here. This is where a judge makes a determination on something. All right? So what are you and I living in in a fallen world? We're living with expressed evil. Right? 
And instead of us having to be in the middle of it all the time, sometimes God calls us to be in the middle of it. He says, hey, if you guys will actually gather in my name, since you're the authority over the region, if you'll worship, I'll actually go and deal with the evil that's in the nations. I'll actually start moving towards that and dealing with it. All right, so that's the first thing. Worship, God says, the way I've decided this is going to work is I'm going to release the dynamic of my presence to actually deal with evil in nations. The next thing it does is it says this, and the punishment on people. Okay, right, you guys ready? When God, this, the way this word is used in the Hebrew language, it, it doesn't mean to destroy somebody. It means to execute judgment in a situation. To punish what? Evil in the land. God actually doesn't want people to be destroyed by evil, so he moves in a way so that that activity stops. Now, it's going to take a moment. I want you guys to think about this because I've had to try to work through this for a long period of time. We, we notice evil and we talk about evil all the time and we think, well, that's just the way it is to live on a fallen planet. God doesn't really have a solution. That's just the wheat and the tare growing together. But here the scripture is giving us a picture of something. If you're the authority in a region and you want evil to stop in that region, isn't it amazing? God says, well, here's the solution. Come and worship. Um, have you guys ever seen this before? And so we think, well, how does that... See, this is the way the kingdom works, and we don't understand it, and so we think, well, that's an absolute waste of time. But if you study any move of God, and you look at the amount of time they gave to worship, and then you go into what's going on in the society, you see a, a decrease of evil as the church worships. <laughs> Okay, so some of you are getting it. Let's keep going. Another thing it says here, look what it says, and to bind the kings with change. Okay, kings and chains, all right? Who, in the New Testament, um, this is kind of, I'm diving in the deep end with demonology and demonization and that kind of fun stuff. How's this, how's this have anything to do with worship? <laughs> Remember when Jesus said, hey, uh, the finger of God has come in the midst of you, and some said, well, you do that by Beelzebub. He said, no, I'm doing that by the finger of God. And he says, look, if you don't bind the strong man, you can't plunder his house. All right, that terminology is what's being talked about here, right, in Psalms 149. Guys, how do you bind a strong man in a region? He's saying, if you worship the Lord, he'll bind him. All right, strong men, in the Greek, it's not really strong men. It just means a mighty something. So it could either be a principality or a principality working through an individual. But when people come in alignment with the kingdom of darkness, God wants to break that alignment. And he says, if the church will worship, he'll bind that activity from happening in that person. He'll just cut it off. That's the idea of being put in chains. All right. Uh, so now I'm in Fairfield, Iowa. I'm trying to figure out why does God have us here? It's just me and another guy and the pastor of this church. And the first thing God starts telling me is he's telling me to do stuff that I've never seen anybody else do. He made us go around the campus of the library 
and, and start uh, going to different corners of it and praying and blessing the Lord. And I thought, uh, any of you ever have this random training? You just think, this is absolute nonsense. Absolutely not. What am I doing? I don't even know if I'm hearing the Lord. I mean, it was just so weird, the whole entire experience. As we're consistently doing that, we're starting to hear from all the people that are practicing at the Transcendental Meditation Place, we can't connect with our spirit guides. We didn't confront them. We didn't rebuke them. We didn't do any of that. That wasn't time for that. It was time to just worship the Lord for that city. And he started doing the binding of all the demonic spirits that were having access to the community. Now, see, again, this is a form of warfare. And because it's not rebuking or any of that other stuff, people think, well, this is a waste of time. But we're going beyond the individual deliverance. And we're going on from just confronting principalities. And he's saying, look, if you want to deal with what's going on in a region, gather in worship. So do you remember this morning when I said, I just kind of alluded to it. I'm going to say it again. When you're worshiping, God has a song of deliverance he wants to give you. And if you'll begin to sing it to the Lord, it's what he's telling you I'm going to do in your community. That's why you're singing it. I mean, it might be a nice song and everything, but he's saying, (laughs) I've just given you a song of deliverance. Sing the song over the region. Sing, come together, enjoy me. I'll do this activity. Let's keep moving on. It says, and they're nobles with fetters of iron. So now he's going through the chain of authority. He's saying at every level where people come into alignment with the kingdom of darkness, if you will worship the Lord, get the song of the Lord, and begin to gather in unity, he will do this as a response to that. Now, isn't that a different way of looking at warfare? Because it's not, I have to take on a warrior attitude and I can teach on that and all that other stuff. But he's saying, no, the very thing that you do, that you enjoy, he's going to use it as a way to move into the community and stop the effect of evil in a community. Now, do you know why this seems like a paradox? Because it seems like that's the weakest way to deal with something. And yet that's the kingdom way. God is trying to say, I know how to do this well, so participate with me in this. And you guys, aren't you glad that not only the story I'm telling you about Fairfield, Iowa, but even the Exodus stories play these things out. I mean, who goes into a battle with worship team? In fact, we always laugh at that. Have you ever noticed if someone comes up today and goes, okay, we need to deal with City Hall. They're, They're passing all kinds of wicked, evil laws. Let's get a worship team and walk around it seven times and everyone snickers. <laughs> That's cute, but that really doesn't have any effect. And it just shows we don't understand how the kingdom of God works at all. God said, hey, this is how I actually want you to take a city. And we're like, yeah, but we have to have bullets. And, and that's fighting with the power of the flesh. And every time God tries to teach this to another group of people, they think, well, that only worked once. It doesn't work once. It's a principle. How do you take land? Now, isn't it funny? You do it with a worship team. <laughs> um, did, any of you pay, did any of you ever watch what was going on with the March of Jesus? People were marching and, and doing parades and singing songs in a parade through a city, and everyone thought, well, isn't that cute? That's so cute. 
All right, let's go do a parade for Jesus. Isn't that adorable? Why would God even have the body of Christ do something like that? Because he's trying to establish a consistent worship in a city so that he can stop all the evil that's going on in the city. Okay, so how many are you praying, God, would you do something about this? And he's saying, yeah, would you guys gather and worship and stop fighting with each other? He says, if you do that, I'll respond to you. All right, let's finish the passage. <laughs> All right, so then it, then it even goes deeper and it says to execute on them the judgment written. Well, what's the judgment written? Do you guys, this is referring to something else that's been written in the Bible. So when we worship, there's a judgment that God has written towards people that propagate evil and it's that God would actually stop it. That's what's been written, that it is not the will of the Lord for evil to prevail. And so here we are. Here's a paradox. You enjoy God in worship, and he says, okay, all the stuff that you keep telling me about, I'm going to go into the middle of it. I'm going to bind it, and then I'm going to make sure that the access point to cause that to happen will actually be decimated so it can't come in the culture again. So he's now saying worship just isn't the release of warfare. It's going to deal with, ready, foundational things that have been set in a culture for generations that cannot be removed. And God says, I'll do it through worship. Are you guys tracking with me so far? Okay. And then he ends up saying, so why should you do this? Now he's, he's taking worship. He explains, here's what worship actually does as warfare. And then he comes back to you and he says, he's going to tie it to a concept of your identity and your inheritance in Christ. And so the psalm ends up saying, this is the honor of all the godly ones. So your honor, (laughs) your honor is for your city to come to God. That's your inheritance. Okay. So I'm getting some interesting looks, so I need to back up and explain something biblically. In Matthew 24, when Jesus was standing and he had been raised from the dead, so he's not the suffering servant anymore, he's the king of kings. And he's addressing the disciples, right? And he says this to them. All right, everything that I've taught you, you teach everybody else, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And then he's, what does he tell them to do? He tells them to go, now we translate it this way, Go disciple people in nations. The Greek translation isn't that. It's disciple the nations. Okay, now why is that more important? Because we usually turn the city over to God and we try to get a couple people saved out of the city if we read it one way. If we're to disciple the nations, we realize Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth and the nations are his inheritance and it's our job with him to go get that city to turn to him. And so if the city is to turn to the Lord, he's going to now explain the process. This is actually how it happens. It happens by you guys stop fighting with each other and get together and worship. Okay, back to Fairfield, Iowa. So while I'm sitting there and the city, we're overwhelmed, there's only two of us, which I always think, I don't know if you guys ever hang out with God, but he loves you being outmanned and outgunned in every situation, right? (laughs) This isn't about who has the bigger this or the bigger that. It's usually he likes taking one person and showing them, here's all your authority because I'm with you. 
right? So you're, you're always going to feel overwhelmed. You should actually enjoy that. The, the whole idea of being overwhelmed should just bless your heart. It's like, there's no way I can do this. That's where God wants you. You guys get it? All right. So we're in Fairfield and then God starts, okay, so now Brian, what you need to do, <laughs> I never even saw any of this stuff. God's like, I want you to get a bucket of water. I want you to pour a bunch of salt in it. I want you to set this bucket of water and salt apart as a a fragrant offering. I want you to pray a blessing on it. And then I want you to go to each gate all the way into the, the campus and pour water on it and command the Holy Spirit to come into the campus. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, I've never heard, have any of you ever heard of this stuff? And there's these water offerings and salt offerings. I never saw those. In the, I mean, I probably read them, but I didn't pay anything, any attention to them. So we're, we're doing all this stuff and I never realized how bad this was. Those people that are channeling demonic spirits, when, they, when the Lord sets them free, it's like they're getting off some drug addiction. I mean, they just look like they're on drugs. And all of a sudden, people that, have, uh, I mean, the gurus, that's what they call these people in this town, are actually having powerful encounters by the Lord appearing to them, and they're getting saved. And they're showing up at these meetings that we're doing. And they're just like, why couldn't we see this before? <laughs> okay. All right. I, need, I feel like the Lord wants me to do this with you. Would you guys go with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Now, for the people that are around with me all the time, you know I refer to this all the time, but it's very important especially what we're talking about here with worship and warfare. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, we're going to be in verse 3. So Paul is now going to work on um, why your city or why your family is not coming to the Lord. All right? So by the way, how many of you think the reason your family isn't with Jesus right now is because you haven't done a good enough job presenting the gospel yet? Yeah, go ahead and raise your hands if you think that's what it is. Okay, so that's not the, that's not the problem. Paul is telling you the problem right here. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever look at these things and just kind of go, why don't I ever see these things? You guys ready? So Paul, how does the Bible describe people that don't know the Lord? The Bible describes them as dead Deaf and blind. So a better presentation to a dead person doesn't work. You can juggle, you can throw water in their face, you can paint yourself a hundred million colors and run up and down the street saying, you're going to die and go to hell, and they just, they're dead. They can't hear it, they can't see it. Well, why? 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is telling you the problem. Now, guys, we actually want to deal with the problem, not what we think the problem is, yeah. right? So I just explained to you that worship does this, and now here's the problem, and it's telling you this is how worship deals with this problem, right? So how many of you are just asking God to save a family member all the time? Hey, would you just save him, save him, save him, save him? And God's saying, deal with it, right? So here's how you deal with it. It says in um, verse 3, even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Okay, so the problem with people is they have a veil. And I'll describe what that is. 
in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they have a veil, and it, this where it says, the God of this world has blinded, the Greek tense of that word, has blinded, is a continual verb tense, which means he's blinded them once, and he's continually doing it. All right? So do you guys get it? Actively, the God of this world, for unbelievers, he is actively keeping them in a state of blindness. He doesn't just blind them once. He's constantly reinforcing it. And I'll explain how that works. All right. It says that he's blind the mind of unbelievers so that they might not see. So what are they not seeing? They're not seeing the gospel of the glory of Christ. So um, I just, um, this morning, I, I introduced the whole idea of worship as we're fashioned for the glory of God. So how do people get saved? I know that you guys sit in your bed and think about this all night long. You're saved because God has broken off darkness and the light of his glory is shown in your heart and it ruined you and you said, I have to have that. That's how you got saved. You got saved because the kingdom and the power of the kingdom came and broke that, that veil off of you and that's how it happened. So when Paul is describing in the book of Acts, how he got saved, he said, I went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. He didn't say someone did a really good presentation of Ro the Romans road because he was the one that wrote it. He didn't do any of that. He said, the king, I got broken out of the kingdom of darkness. So he actually talked about, it was actually the power of two kingdoms in conflict over him so he couldn't come to Christ and God broke it. Yeah. All right. Now, stay with me here. I, I just covered the part where it said worship binds all this stuff. So you need a greater power to break off this veil in people's hearts in whatever capacity they're in a city, right? The power is in worship. All right, so what's the veil? Just so we can explain it in the Greek. The first, first thing is this term for veil means a covering. So it actually means that the, the enemy is intentionally blinding them to something. Okay, so when he's, this active thing is going on in people's lives, um, you, could either, you can see it in individuals' lives or you can see it over regions. There's a blinding effect in a region, and there's a blinding effect in people's hearts. So how do you figure out what it is? It says that, um, okay, it's a, blinding of, it's, a, it's a blinding of the mind, all right? So the word here for blinding, there's two Greek expressions for it. You guys ready? So here you have a fail, and it's creating a blinding effect, so they cannot perceive or receive the glory of Christ, which you naturally get to do when you and I come to worship. So what is this blinding effect? The, the, the word here for this is the Greek word. One of the definitions of it is a smokescreen. Okay, so the enemy blinds by creating a smokescreen in their mind and in their soul. What's the smokescreen? It's also the Greek word for pride. So the enemy is actively doing what? To someone that cannot receive Christ. He's touching in an area of pride and he's getting them to focus on that and that causes a blinding effect in their soul that they cannot receive the Lord. 
you're worshiping the Lord. He's binding that activity the enemy is doing so that when the Holy Spirit comes towards someone, they don't have this problem with their pride and that their eyes can actually be opened and receive Christ. Wow. So when you pray for your family, does God ever lead you guys into, hey, stop praying about it and worship me that I'm going to reveal myself to them? When you're doing that, you're actually saying, hey, God, go and pull that veil off of them so they can receive you. Okay, now if you understand that's what's actually going on with the person, your whole view of how we talk to people, witness to people, it'll all change. We'll, we'll, we'll stop trying to market to get people to come into the kingdom. By the way, um, you're raised in a Western culture, and Western Christianity is a worldview, and it's lenses that we see the scripture on. And one of the problems we have in Western Christianity is we don't have an ability to naturally see the supernatural, even after we're saved, because we're taught anti-supernaturalism all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And since you're taught anti, not just anti-supernaturalism, but aggressive anti-supernaturalism, because one of the idols in our culture is materialism. Yeah. Right? And so here you and I are, we're saying, well, how do we bring our family member to the Lord? And then we go to the system of the world and we say, well, marketing works. So let's raise a bunch of money and just send out flyers all week long. And then that'll get people saved. And then they come into the building and we do our presentation and then they go home and we're like, well, why didn't anyone get saved? Because marketing doesn't bring anyone into the kingdom. Did Jesus have a marketing team with him when he was walking around and doing all the stuff he was doing? Okay. <laughs> now, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just wanting to point this out to you guys. So, I, and if God tells you to market, I, I have to do that periodically, but I'm not putting it down. I'm saying we're, we're dealing with the wrong thing. So God's wanting to touch your city. He's saying, look, the enemy is actively doing something. He's creating pride in the community or he's creating pride in an individual. And I want you to deal with it. And the way I want you to actually deal with it is a way that you've never thought of it before. I want you to come together and I want you to worship me. And the more you're consistent with it, the more I'm going to deal with evil in that culture. Yeah. Now, here's what's funny. Every time the body of Christ does those two things, they have what they call a revival in that community. And it's so simple that the body of Christ never does it. I, I'm always amazed. You can show historically that when leaders come together and they pull the body of Christ together and worship, there's always a work that God does in a region. A lot of leaders just step into it and they don't even realize it. But if you look at it historically and just look at it, it's a consistent biblical pattern. God said, I'm going to command a blessing when you dwell together in unity. And if you'll worship me, I'll break the evil over that region and start setting people free and then the harvest is ready. <laughs> All right, so would you guys, uh, let's do this. We're going to put your notepads down just for a sec and let's, let's do some practice. Are you guys ready? Okay, are you guys comfortable? I'm just going to take you down the same road again but I'm going to kind of lead you into how to do this. Take a moment and think of a time 
when the Lord has really encountered you. Just take a moment, enjoy the Lord, just for a sec, okay? Just think about a time God drew near you, you felt his presence. Okay, now in your own heart, just begin to thank the Lord for that. I want you to, God's going to bring to you a family member that he wants you to pray for that doesn't know him. Just let that come. So Lord, reveal to us a family member that you're wanting us to pray for. Now, this time, instead of asking the Lord to save him, begin to worship the Lord that he is going to save him. Let's take a moment. Lord, I just thank you. Just thank you for saving this family member. I bless you for that. I thank you for that. Thank you, mighty one. We thank you that you're binding the activity that's keeping them from coming to you. That you're making your glory revealed to them. We just thank you for that. We bless you, O Lord. Okay, guys, stay with me. We're going to try this now. Ask God to either give you a scripture or a song over this situation. Thank you, mighty one. Bless your name. Wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, mighty one. Okay, guys, some of you, I don't know, it might be all of you, but some of you, God's actually starting to give you some wisdom and some strategies. Now, just enjoy that. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. Bless your name. I bless your name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, how many of you experienced the presence of the Lord as you were just remembering in time God drew near you? All right. How many of you um, had God bring a person in your family that he wants you to, that you're supposed to be praying for? How many of you got a song or a scripture? Isn't that amazing? Are you guys looking around? Isn't that amazing? 
Okay, so now you've been given a weapon here. How do you use it? Just what we did. Take time to enjoy the Lord, bring the scripture back to him, share it with him, and then begin to thank the Lord that he's actually doing that. Because he wouldn't have given that to you if he didn't say this is my intent in this situation. All right. Um, I don't know if you guys are like this. Is this way too simple? Because the things of the kingdom are supposed to be simple. And we've made them really confusing and hard. This is how God does it. It's based on the presence and the glory of the Lord. All right. All right. So I'm going to real quick. Wow. Did it again. Uh, who has questions? Anyone have any questions they'd like to ask? We've gone and covered some subjects. Anyone have any questions you'd like to ask before we take a break? Yes. So I'm sorry, you have to have the electric ice cream cone. So here she comes. Um, I wrote a couple, but um, so when people, like you said, sometimes people or leaders have done it and not realized it. Mm -hmm. um, is it better if you're going to gather to have um, a specific aim at a particular evil or, an, or, or a particular goal at all, or you don't need that kind of strategy. No, you can just the, come together and worship and trust him to do what needs to be the, done. The first, the, it seems like the first way it works is God causes everyone to come together and honor each other. Okay. That lays the foundation. Then either a song is given for the region or he gives strategies. So okay. he, has the, he has to make the body of Christ learn to honor each other. Okay. Based on that Psalms. I'm, I'm sorry, let me look up the Psalms real quick, but uh, I think it's Psalms 143, uh, I think. I want to make sure I give you the right one. 133, 133 okay. So uh, if you guys look at it real quick. Yeah. Um, I don't think you want me to do the whole treaty on this, but um, he says, how good and pleasant for brothers to dwell together in unity is like, pre okay. So he says it's like precious oil being poured on Aaron's head flowing down through his beard and his robe. Do you understand all the symbolism here? He, he's telling you that um, when we dwell together, a commanded blessing is put on it. And then he says, when you dwell together, oil is poured on the head and flows through the whole. And it's talking about the priestly role here. That's why he's using Aaron as an illustration. It affects his mind when we dwell together in unity. It affects your mind. It affects the robe or the service that you're doing for the Lord. And then it equates, I, have you guys seen this? It equates to, it's like dew of Hermon coming down from the mountains of Zion. All right, so do you guys understand? These are the highest places in Israel. So when we come together in unity and we start honoring each other, God drops his presence on that group. And then the highest places which represent kings and kingdoms, he commands the dew of his presence to fall on that also. And so it, 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 comes, it comes down the mountain. So it actually says, isn't this fun? God says, if you, the highest authority in the region, will come together and honor each other and worship me, I'm going to release the oil of my presence and then I'm going to pour it on your city. And it's going to go down through everybody. 
And then he says, and that's the command of blessing that I actually have when you do this activity. So the Lord says he's going to command a blessing. All right, so I know this sounds so simple, isn't it? The very simple thing is actually very hard to do, to get the body of Christ to come to worship. So that means that you have to talk to the body. Hey, we need to gather for worship. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, you know, the thing, of course, that I've noticed in mm-hmm. all the years I've been saved that divides the body are the gifts yeah. and, the, and the reality of the Holy Spirit still being active. Okay. So what it will take then is for people who believe that way to honor those who do operate, right? Mm-hmm. And decide to come together over the one thing that we can agree on. Right. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> isn't this amazing? The Lord said when you gather together and worship, he didn't talk about anything else except that. And, and I think the body of Christ can gather around the Lord over worship. So anyone else back over here? Is your name Mark? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, and when, to her point, isn't that really just a strategy of the enemy to keep the body in division? So as we worship, uh, aren't we doing warfare, uh, not just in coming together, but the part of saying we're dismantling the enemy strategies to keep us from coming together? Mm-hmm. And so is there a series of steps to that effect that we worship? To, I, I'm having a hard time expressing my question. Uh, that our worship is just, I think it's, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but just expecting that, we're, that our worship, focusing on the Lord, looking into his face and, uh, and his, you know, majesty, um, and in, in, in expecting of saying, well, Lord, the first thing that's going to go down then is to break these strategies of the enemy that keep us. And, and then so our warfare is in expectancy. Yeah, so the reason I'm showing you the scriptures on what God says he's going to do is you don't have to worry about him doing it. He says, if you gather, I will do this. So in one sense, it's not even him telling you here is the strategy. Guys, I, I, when Mark was saying this, I just remembered I didn't tell you something. So sorry. This will probably help. What happens when you worship? When you bow your knee, your soul is learning to prefer another person's will. And so when I get before the Lord and I say, you, O oh Lord, are the one true God and stuff like that, and I begin to enjoy him that way, a transformation happens in my understanding by the presence of the Lord that he is God and I should follow his ways. And when that happens, it's like a transformation happens in my will that I begin to long for the things he longs for. And when that longing starts happening in me, one of the things he longs for, isn't this weird? We talk about it all the time. He longs for unity, but we can't do it. And the reason we can't do it is we're not in the presence of the Lord, letting him make our will come in alignment with his will through worship. The more you're hanging out with him, you're going to want the things that he wants because he's breathing that into you. 
Um, how many of you, uh, this is a weird question to ask everybody, but it's kind of where everyone's at. How many of you actually just look at the body of Christ and think, I just love the body of Christ? I don't really have this thing where I just, you know, that group and that group. How many of you just like the body of Christ? Yeah. All right. Uh, that's a work of the Holy Spirit that's going on in people. All right. And I don't know what, I, I've sat around and thought about it for hours and hours and hours. And that's why I'm telling you this. Is, when I looked at it, I thought, well, maybe it's getting a bunch of leaders in a room and just letting them argue with each other and fellowship and all that other stuff. But the Bible actually doesn't give any of that as a way of doing something. He says, isn't this interesting? It's so simple. It's hard to understand. If you will come together and worship me, I will do these things. That's why it's so hard. It's because it can't be worship. It has to be worship and. And, and the Bible saying no, it's, it's actually just worship. I remember one time you and I were on, you and I and EJ were on the way back from Bemidji, and you were in the front seat, and you said something that really revolutionized my life. Very simple. You said, you know, God is such a cool guy to hang out with. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it, it was that's so deeply theological, isn't it? Well, yeah, it was it was so profound <laughs> yeah. that I go, oh man, I wish I would have said that. Yeah, because wow. it was it because it, that's your point that you're addressing to, and that's where I have since that that conversation, so endeavored to enter into that point of just going saying, Father, I just want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah. All right, anyone else? Oh, um, back there. By the way, if you're saying, well, have you ever seen this happen? Yes. I've physically seen groups finally come together, and I've seen it come into regions, the presence of the Lord. So where two or three mm-hmm. gather, mm-hmm. so when I think it means, so the church is the body, which is all the churches in a city. Mm-hmm. But it starts with, not just myself, because it says where two or three gather, there I am. Mm -hmm. And so it requires families Mm -hmm. to become the greater family, Mm -hmm. to become the bride, to dismantle the, you know. So if I can, if I say, oh, it's the church, I I can somehow say, well, you know, like somehow we remove ourselves, mm-hmm. whereas it really is organic and it starts right. in a very, you know, real place. It's, it's in the home. And when that is where the enemy takes the foothold yeah. before it gets to the body. Yeah. So if he can get the family, which he has been working on very hard lately mm-hmm. and trying to remove the fathers and change the genders and do all that. But if we as parents can claim our families, can claim our ground, wow. Yeah, I agree. Wow. I agree. Um, gosh, this, uh, I want to make sure I get the other question because I was just about to tell you a really long story. I don't want to do that to you. So who had the question over here? I'll answer this one and then share something with you real quick. So I had a question going through my mind, and I was going to ask you and going to ask you, and it was, okay, how do you even start? You just go on Facebook and say, hey, come to my house? Like I was, 
processing, processing, how to do this. I'm in a small town. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody from the other churches. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there just thinking about all that, going to ask that question, and the Holy Spirit told me who. Oh, okay. So he already showed me who to get a hold of. Yeah that I do know someone, and yeah. that's the first step. Isn't that that's great? all I need is the yeah. first step. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, That's right. So uh, how many of you think, well, if we can't get the whole city together, it's a wasted time? That's not how it works, guys. It works by God speaking to you. Are you ready? It starts with you. Again, I'm talking to you about a whole entire city. This is the plan of the Lord, but you have to dive in also. So I'll, show you, I'll share a really interesting experience with you. I'm a young man in my early 20s. This is back in the 80s. I'll tell you how old I am. And um, so on, this is the day when they used to hand out tapes. Do any of you remember tapes? Okay. So someone says, hey, listen to this. And it was um, a worship tape that someone made, a bootleg tape, right? And um, I was raised in the part of the body of Christ where we just sang hymns all the time. So this was really un weird to me to have a tape of someone singing some song to the Lord that wasn't a hymn. And I'm playing it. And as I'm playing it, I'm like, wow, I really like these songs. And I could sense the presence of the Lord in the room with me. So I, I said to my wife, hey, um, l listen to this and tell me if you're sensing anything. So we, we're playing it again. And both of us sense the presence of the Lord. Now, I, I was sharing with some people at lunch, every time the presence of the Lord shows up, I just think it's awesome, and I want everybody in the middle of it, yeah. whether they want to be in it or not. Yeah. I just kind of, you have to be here. And so, at that time, I'm in Bible college, and everyone in our apartment building were all Bible college students, so we all knew each other. So, I, the third night, I put the tape in, and I invited my friends over, and I said, hey, let's just listen to this. I want you to tell me what you think. And... Um, the presence of the Lord came in the room with all of us, and we're like, is it something with the tape? <laughs> right? Magic. Yeah, magic tape. And then, <laughs> then we invite our neighbors from the basement over. So now there's eight of us in the room, right? This is, this is only four nights of just listening to worship. We still didn't know it because we, we're used to singing out of hymnals. So we have to get familiar with the song and to sing at least the chorus and stuff. Four nights into it, we, and we just said, hey, let's meet again tomorrow night and see if we can sing one of the songs. So we sing one of the songs, and the, the power of God shows up in the room again. And we're like, is it the, is it, what is it with this tape? And, okay, six days into it, only six days of eight people gathering in the name of the Lord, Every night, God's glory would show up, and the sixth night, God picked one of the people in the room and laid them on the ground in front of all of us. It was really kind of fun. We're all Bible college students, right? So we're supposed to have all our stuff together. And, he, and the Lord is driving a demon out of this Bible college student. Uh, we don't, none of us have driven demons out of anybody. We're just like, what's going on? In fact, we're so unfamiliar with this, we're just talking to the person while they're laying on the ground. Hey, what are you doing? I don't know. Well, what do you think is going on? And it's like, well, this, I'm hearing these voices in my head, and we're like, well, what do you think? I mean, we're just oblivious to everything that's going on there. And we're like, well, what's going on? And it's like, well, it's like the Lord is doing this thing inside of me. And then they confess this 
issue they have in there, this sin they're, they're struggling with, and it's like, and it's gone. And we're just sitting there going, what is going on? <laughs> All right? The seventh night, we just play the song. We actually are trying to figure out what is going on here. Because all we're doing is enjoying worship together. The, it, and after we went past the first two songs, the glory of God would show up in the room. And we're like, what in the, why is, what is going on? And then that, we're on the seventh night. God picks another person in the room, drives them to the ground. They, they have some struggle with the demonic spirit also, and then they have some physical issue that they don't have the ability to resolve, and God heals them right in front of us. And we're just looking at them like, why is this? And so we're trying to figure out, is it this tape? What is going on? Why does this work every time we do this? Uh, guys, you learn by going through it. This went on six months straight every night. And what started happening is we, we had listen to the tape, the Spirit of the Lord would take one of us to the ground, do something to us, and we started talking to everybody we knew, this is, we're having the weirdest experience, we put on this tape, and the power of God comes in the room, and he just does all this stuff, and we're telling Bible college students and people we go to work with during the day, and they're like, well, I want to come to your house, and so all of a sudden we have this flood of people coming in our house, seriously, and we'd just say, okay, watch this. And we'd put the tape on. <laughs> and we, and the, and we st you know, we're listening to this now. We're into a couple months of this. So now we know the song so we can sing some of them and stuff. But at a certain point, we could all sense the Spirit of the Lord was in the room. And we'd actually all just look at each other like, who's he going to pick tonight? And the Lord would pick someone in the room and he'd have them on the ground in front of 20 people watching this going, and we'd just talk to them like, of course you do this kind of stuff. So we'd say, well, what do you think's going on? I have no idea. Well, what is he doing? Well, I just feel power shooting through my body. Well, what do you think that's doing? And guys, could you imagine? We're just, we have no training. We have never seen anything like this. This is going on for six months straight. Every day. Now, why did God do that in such a small... If we would have stayed... And see, I had no idea. Oh, we, we should have just stayed with this. I just thought, well, six months is enough. I'm tired. <laughs> do you guys ever step into something and then cut it off because you're oh, I've got some other stuff. I, I need to get ready for finals. <laughs> I've I, I don't know about you guys. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've stepped in and out of this so many times. I'm actually frustrated with myself. Because we're just about to hit a new level in God, and I think, I'm tired. We've done this for months on end. Okay? So you don't have to get everybody. You start with someone. Um, did I say this this morning? I'm going to ask you again. You know how we, we plan our whole entire day, oh, I'm going to do this at this time and stuff like that? Have you... Have you realized how powerful worship is in your life that you probably ought to plan some time just to worship the Lord every day? That's why I taught the different ways of worship. What if you just get... My wife and I do worship as we're walking our dog. We just say, tell me what you're thankful for. Then I tell her what I'm thankful for, and we just do that as we're walking with our dog around the neighborhood. And we're just already seeing an increase of our neighbors coming up to us and sharing all their pain with us. 
Let's pray for it. You guys bow your heads just for a moment. Let's, let's practice some more. You guys ready? One more time. Join me in this. Okay, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being here with us. Okay, go back to another memory of God drawing near to you. Just think about it for a moment. Thank you, Lord. I just begin to thank the Lord for that time. Bless you, Lord. Bless your name. Thank you, mighty one. All right, in the name of Jesus, amen.